Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 19. We'll be dealing with verses 26 through 30. This will be our 219th exposition of this book. John 19, 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now I'm going to cover some of the other gospel accounts of this because John's account is very abbreviated here. All of the events surrounding the death of Christ are significant Mm -hmm. and I want to keep them ever, ever before you. Nothing was incidental or to be ignored. Here's some of them. Things that surrounded the death of Christ. His prayer in Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. Let this cup pass from me. His betrayal by Judas. His arrest by the soldiers. Peter using his sword cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. His trial before the high priest, the false witnesses that witnessed against him that couldn't agree in their witness, his trial before Pilate. This all happened from the evening up until the next morning. It's a relatively short period of time. His trial before Pilate, the denials of Peter, three denials. His presence before Herod, Pilate settled him over to Herod. Then his second appearance before Pilate. Jesus carried his own cross. Simon of Cyrene also carried it part way after he laid it on him. Then on the cross there was the forgiveness of the penitent thief. That took place. There were two thieves with him, one on each side. The forgiveness of the penitent thief, Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. There was the reaction of nature when Jesus was enduring the curse of Almighty God. The sun didn't shine. There was darkness covered the face of the earth. There was a tremendous earthquake. 
the graves were opened, some of the dead saints rose from the dead. The temple veil was torn in two from the top down. There was a centurion that witnessed some of these things, and those with him, one gospel writer writes. And he said, surely this was a righteous man, one gospel said. This was the son of God, another gospel said. I'm showing the things that took place in this gap of time. Then there was the cry of Jesus, where he gave up the ghost and he cried out. There was the care of Jesus for his mother. And there was the indifference of the people that were walking by and just went home. Just, just saw an execution, that's all. Now the thing I want to note is the spiritual poise of Jesus through all of this. No person in all of human history endured what Jesus endured. That's right. A lot of people endured beating, flogging, rejection, spitting, mocking. But they didn't endure being cursed yeah, by right. God. All of this he endured, and he has such poise. It's, it's remarkable. Amen. He wasn't uh, disconcerted at all. It was a confirmation that he had strength to endure all of this. That's right. The fullest measure was experienced by the Lord Jesus when he was crucified. That was the fullest measure of strength given to a person in the body to endure that length of time and that, all of that that many people would have died the fullest measure of strength was administered to him while he was being crucified including in all the events associated with the crucifixion that's when he was getting the strength now, this is what you want to see I'm afraid that people sometimes think of being strengthened after the trial. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not the way it is. The strength of God takes people through the trial. Amen. That's what you've got to see. Now, Jesus, he was crucified. We perform our own crucifixion. <laughs> yes. David or Christ have crucified the flesh. They did it. Now what I'm pointing out here is that in the process of crucifying your flesh, which means you don't let sin erupt. You don't let it erupt. And you've been given grace not to let it erupt. Now I know that Nobody's been perfect in this. I understand that fully well. That, uh, but then we, that's why we confess our sins mm -hmm. and we're cleansed of them. Paul was violent with his body. He said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. The Revised Standard Version says, I pummel my body. Well, he didn't mean he beat it like this. He was tough on his body. Yeah. He wouldn't let his 
body dictate what he did. I'm telling you, there are countless Christians that do let their body dictate what they do. He didn't. But this is when when you're in the process of subduing the inclinations you have to sin when you're tempted. That's when you receive strength. That's when God gives you grace. Not not ahead of time. You don't get it ahead of time. You don't get a bushel of grace and then you'll use it as you need. You get it when, not before, when you need it. That's when you get it. And God never gives you a surplus of strength that can be used a little later on. No. You live by faith. You get it when you need it. Now, this is the thing that can escape they can escape a person. They can get away from them. Typically because today in Christendom there's too much talk about problems. There's too much talk about trials. There's too much talk about difficulties. And if you have, if you, if you're, you have been exposed to a lot of preaching, it's phenomenal how much of this is included in preaching. They're preaching about what people go through, what they experience, when they're supposed to be preaching what Jesus went through. Why that's true is when you realize what Jesus went through, that minimizes what you're going through. And then you can think more soundly and obtain grace to help in the yes, in the yes. time of need. Amen. Now those are just some introductory remarks I wanted to make. Now as you see that... Um, John gives a very abbreviated account, so I'm going to rehearse Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts because they'll put it all together. Yes? Yeah, before you move on, whenever we think of, of uh, Christ and knowing that he went through the fullest measure yeah. of, uh, of uh, suffering and temptation and hardship separation from the Father on behalf for the sin of the whole world. Not for just one generation, but from Adam to the end of the world, the whole world. All right. When we see that he did it and was victorious, this is the one that we rely on for help. So we see there is no deficiency in him at all. And you spoke about we don't receive a reserve of grace. We don't have just shall live by faith. <clears throat> faith is like the hand of the soul that gets hold of gets hold of God. You live by faith. So as Sister June said, there's a as you're as you're connecting with God, and you must stay connected with God. Yes. You don't just go to God when you have trouble and then when you come back you go about your life realize you no, you gotta stay Connected. Mm-hmm. When you're saved, the scriptures call it in First Corinthians one nine being called into the fellowship. Yes. That's a two way mm-hmm. the fellowship of Jesus Christ, God's Son. So as you're called, that has to be maintained. And when that's maintained, there's this 
constant and timely flow. Yes. Popped into my mind, would that be like a baby has an umbilical cord? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And what they going through that umbilical cord? That's what the mother has. That's right. The baby's not sending anything <laughs> to the umbilical cord. He's receiving, so that's exactly that's exactly it. And that's why God caused birth to be that way. The everything God created is like a picture of, of part of the salvation of yeah. God. Amen. The world was made with salvation in mind. That's right. So you have water because there's water of life. You yeah. have bread because there's bread of life. Yes. You got contact with other people because there's a contact with God. So everything about creation mm-hmm. mirrors what really exists Amen. with the Lord. That's right. Amen. And there's no by him doing this, it makes it available for us to understand. That's right. And that, that means that this life is not the fundamental yes. thing. Amen. The fundamental thing is what it, it, it presents an image of. That's the fundamental thing. The fundamental person is God yes. in Christ. Amen. Yes, Sister Heather. I appreciate you bringing out the Jesus that is um, the strong. I can't remember exactly where. Um, that he is strong, he is enduring, and he has been given strength. I remember the first time I heard you teach that. That's right. Coming out of Catholicism and being taught that he fell three times, now I'm learning um, Jesus was was strong. That's right. That is not a picture. There's there's famous historical artwork Mm -hmm. of Jesus falling under the weight of the cross. Mm -hmm. It's a fable. It's not true. Jesus didn't fall under the weight of the cross. See, the people that concocted that view thought that because they laid the cross on Simon of Cyrene is because Jesus fell down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That isn't it at all. I don't know how far it was mm-hmm. to Calvary. But the soldiers knew he had to he he had to get there under his own power. Mm-hmm. The soldiers knew that. They weren't going to carry Jesus up there. Yeah. He had to get there under his own power. And if he, 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 I suppose he could have carried the cross all the way. But see, there's a, there's an image here. Jesus was carrying his cross. They took the cross off Jesus and laid it on Simon and Cyrene. And he followed Jesus carrying the cross. Yes, yes. So Jesus said, whoever comes after him, whoever follows him, has to carry their cross and follow him. See, it was was a picture of what actually happens in the salvation of God. And that that cross carrying technically was a very small part of what Jesus was going to go through. Oh, yes. So see, our cross is, compared to Jesus, ours is very insignificant. It's big for us, but it it allows us to partake in his suffering. That's right. Amen. Now, Matthew, covering the same things that's covered in our text. That's what I'm going to take here. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their record of the same slot of time that's covered in our text. 
It's found in Matthew 27, 51 through 54. And behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, or split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Now let's just, just, just look a little bit. The temple veil was rent, tore, mm-hmm. in twain or in two. Now we don't have a scriptural record of how big the veil was, but it was woven, and estimates are, the historical evidences are, that it was at least a hand's breadth thick yeah. of four inches. It was at least, yeah. it was a thick veil and it was torn supernaturally mm-hmm. from the top down yeah. now what that indicated mm-hmm. was that from the top from God's side mm-hmm. the veil stood between the people and the Lord mm-hmm. specifically between the high priest and the Lord yeah. it was a veil that separated where the work was done from where the ark of the covenant was held. When that veil was torn in two, he was showing that the what kept men from coming to God was taken away Amen. from the top mm-hmm. down. Yes. Doctrinally, it's taught in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, that Jesus opened a new and a living way yes. to God. Amen. Not through a, there wasn't a way through the veil. The high, the high priest, who was the premier religious figure in the Jewish system, he could go behind that veil into the Holy Holies one time a year. Yeah. One time a year. And he had to go in a special way. He had, a, if he didn't, he'd die. He had a elaborate clothing. Some of his clothing was a on the bottom of his garment were some bells and a pomegranate. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. And these, as he walked, these would, a tinkling sound would happen. And he wore it when he went in the holy place so that if he, if he died, if he did something wrong and he died, the bells would stop thinking people would know now you probably heard the song when they rang those golden bells for you and me. Uh-huh. That's what that song's about. Now I was a grown man before <laughs> before I realized that, but that's what that was about. What now is going on, in the sense, Jesus' ministry and the sounds is coming to your soul that Jesus is alive, mm-hmm. Jesus' ministry, yes. and he's in the holy holiest place now. When the veil is rent in twain, for the first time in the history of the world, people could come to God. Yeah. Up to then, God came to them. They didn't go to God. That's right. Now we can come to Him Amen. with full assurance in our heart. Amen. And He says, Matthew says, 
the graves were opened. The graves were opened. Obviously, not all the graves. If God didn't manage this, everybody that had been buried would have come up out of the grave. But just some the graves that we find were saints. They were some holy people. It seems as though there were probably people that died that, that people would recognize. They came, they came out of the grave. But they didn't they didn't leave until Jesus rose from the dead. And when he did, they went in the city and they testified to some people. You can imagine, huh? Open the door or whatever tent whatever, and here stands Brother So and so that died a year ago. There he is. What was that all about? Then Jesus died, he destroyed death. Jesus Christ dealt a death blow to death. From henceforth, we do not fear death. Well, I say, now we can say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory now? You've been conquered. So when we gather around graves and we weep, and I've lost several members of my family, we don't weep because it's hopeless. We weep because we miss them. And because they exercised godly influence when they were in the world. But we know that death, see, in the world, death is final. Huh? You talk to someone who's not a Christian, death is final. Yes, yes. Well, it's not final. Mm-hmm. The resurrection Amen. is going to finalize death then. Yes. Amen. And many bodies of the saints arose. And then Matthew has about this observing centurion. He was a soldier. Centurion is someone over a hundred soldiers. He was divided into regiments, we call them. And he'd been noticing what was going on. He saw the earthquake, the events. Just to say, oh, I wonder what that's all about. He's been taking note of this person who was on a cross. Yes, he'd been noticing that person. He must have had a lot of calmness about him as Jesus was hanging on the cross. A centurion noticed him. Then he noticed what happened in nature. Mm -hmm. He said, this is is a righteous righteous man. Another gospel story says, this is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Surely this is the Son of God. I remember the Jews that were there They'd been schooled by the prophets to recognize who Jesus was. And he came and they rejected him. And here's this Gentile centurion that saw, as far as we know, that's the only thing he saw about Jesus Christ and he concluded he was the Son of God. He was a righteous man. All right, here's Mark's account. Mark 15, 32-39. When the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted is, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias or Elijah. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let's see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, that's three hours. This sixth hour to the ninth hour, that's when the Lord laid the iniquity of us all on Christ. Amen. That's right. Those three hours. Mm -hmm. That's when Jesus was made a curse for us, as Galatians 3.13 says. That's when Jesus was made to be sin for us mm -hmm. that we might be made the righteousness of God in him as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. During that time nobody saw Jesus die. Yeah. There was darkness right. covered the face of the earth. Amen. That's right. It's an old spiritual that says the sun refused to shine. Nobody saw Jesus die yes. except God. Amen. Nobody can boast I saw him die. That's right. Amen. This period of, of time was when he was treading out the wine press of the wrath of God alone. He had to die alone. That's right. He had to die without God. He had to die without grace. He had to die without strength. He had to die alone. Yes. And that was hidden from all of nature. Amen. And he cried out, Why hast thou forsaken me? This is more than a quotation of Psalm 22.1. Now that is taken from Psalm 22.1 and there are some people that say that when he really wasn't forsaken he was just quoting the 22nd Psalm. I've heard that. Well among other things that disqualifies a person from teaching in the name of the Lord. That's a very foolish statement. Mm -hmm. He was experiencing Psalm 22. Yeah, that's right. There was a statement in the scriptures that precisely said what he was going to experience. Why is thou forsaking me? He wasn't asking God why. Yes. But this was such an experience. No one can estimate what kind of experience this was. That's yeah, right. Why is thou forsaken me? Yeah. <clears throat> that teaches you can know what's going on and it can still be mysterious. You can still be uncomfortable with it even though you know what's going on. He had to die without divine support. He had to bear the cross alone. He had to bear the curse alone. He had to have the sins of the world laid on him alone. See, he had to do it alone. Yeah. I can only say we're not capable of understanding the magnitude yeah. of that. But I personally want to work more and more on appreciating yes. that he did, that he died mm -hmm. willingly. Amen. 
Because if he didn't, we couldn't be saved. That's right. One of the reasons, at least one of the reasons, why it was necessary for Jesus to do this alone uh-huh. is because this is so critical. There was absolutely no, no place for any error, any weakness, any deficiency, any anything. It had to be a complete, perfect salvation. Yeah. It yeah. had to be a complete, perfect sacrifice. Amen. It had to go to the fullest extent of satisfying the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. All of these had to be. So there couldn't be any any contaminant, if you will, to this sacrifice added. It was only Christ because he was the perfection that was required. Amen. Yeah, and then at the same time, the he who knew no sin was made to be sin. Now, if one of us, had, if Christ had not died, if one of us died, we would die alone. God would not be with us. We would be alienated from the life to take God. We would be, and he would be, it would be a punishment. He took our punishment. That's right. He suffered the wrath of God against sin. So, I mean, against all sin. I can't even imagine enduring the wrath of God against my sin, but against everyone's sin. He did that. And and so, this was something that he himself, God is holy. He cannot look upon. Yeah. So he withdrew. He laid sin on him and he endured it. And what a what a miraculous and wonderful thing that he did for us. Yeah. And, and I agree. See, this is that because he was perfect, he could endure this. How yeah. else could you? Yeah. Yeah. Elsewhere it says that Jesus emptied himself. Now, in view of the fact that Jesus emptied himself, and and it was, he emptied himself of the transgression laid upon him. Is it really uh, too much for him to ask you to empty yourself? No. Is that too much? Some people may think it is. Is it too much for God to ask you to? Say not my will, but thy be done. That's what Jesus said. He said, nevertheless, he said, this, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. All right, is it unreasonable for God to demand you to give up your will? Is it? No, no. Well, it isn't. Amen. It's something that is something that you have to seek. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some people stood by and thought he was calling for Elijah. Now, uh, in Mark, he uses the Aramaic word for Elijah, which is Eloi, Eloi. Mm -hmm. Matthew uses the Greek word for Elijah, which is Eli, Eli. But the words meant, my God, my God. Mm-hmm. That's what they meant. That's right. So they went just by the sound and didn't understand 
the meaning. Well, that still is an infirmity of <laughs> the infirmity of men to hear the sound of the words, but not know the meaning of the words. Luke's account reads this way, and one of the malefactors, malefactor means criminal, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou, thou dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we justly indeed, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to the site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. Well, he gave quite a lengthy account there. This is the only account of the thief on the cross. Now this is before the curse, before the three hours. During the three hour curse, he wasn't blessing anybody. Before he did, before he was compassionate on yeah, others, yeah. he saved that thief right there at the last minute. Now there's an example in Scripture of a person that was saved just as he was dying. But there's only one, so people won't assume this is the standard approach. <laughs> Fleshly gravitate to that. That's right. It's just the way it is. This is a brand plucked out of the burning, yes, as right. Amos 4.11 says. Just snatched out. Just think of the grace of God. Just snatched him right That's out. Right. He was on his way to hell. Yes, yes. Snatched him out. I like this uh, teaching you taught once before that uh, when Jesus died, it showed the situation of every man. He had the left. <laughs> he had a sinner, and he had he had a uh, one that was That's converted. Right. He showed all mankind right there. Right Jesus there. was in the middle. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to believe him and be saved, or are you going to ignore him and, and fall into yeah, the, the whole human race yes. is represented yes. The chief member of the race was Christ, yes. who became flesh and built among us. Then you had the sinners represented and the righteous yes. represented. Right. The whole race. Yes. In, in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2, it also describes. Uh, picture of Joshua the high priest yeah. and it describes him as a, yeah, a right. brand plucked out of the fire. So That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, on, Amen. The, on the cross both were guilty. That's right. That's that, right. That was the condition of all Amen. humanity. That's right. All were guilty. That's right. One saw it. Yeah. One did it. Since Amen. included all under sin Incidentally, any of you want to make remarks, just please, you're, this yes. is, you're free to do so. Just raise your hand and we'll let you speak. 
And it says that the multitude, they smote their breasts and returned. Like saying, boy, that was, <laughs> that was really something, wasn't it? Yeah. Then they went back to their, went back to their business. A terrible picture of indifference. There's still people that think about Christ's death. They just, that's interesting, and they go their way. Now I'll deal with the text of, uh, from John, verse 26. Now the curse, he's already endured the curse. Because this happened about the ninth hour. This was at the commencement of the ninth hour. But Jesus therefore saw his mother. Did he not see her before? I doubt it. He was getting ready to lay down his life. This was not the time for maternal remembrances. He saw his mother. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sebastian. See, it's the beginning of the ninth hour, so then it's got the rest of the ninth hour. So what does Jesus do? Back to work. Jesus is, you know, he endured. Not only did he endure the abuse of the Jewish high priests and their soldiers and the abuse of Pilate and his soldiers yes. and the abuse of Herod and his soldiers, he endured the curse of God, but he's still lucid, still thoughtful, still ready to minister. Though you, can you believe that he can give you grace to help in the time of need? Amen. After he did that, don't you know he knows how to give you grace to help in the time of need? Mm -hmm. The heart and mind of Jesus was in full strength. Yes, that's right. How much more is he attuned to us now? Mm -hmm. Now that he's in yeah. heaven. Yes. How much more does he pay attention to us? Mm -hmm. If he saw his mother and John when he was on the cross, what's he seeing now? Who does he see now? And the disciple whom he loved. Well, we know from Scripture that this was John. He was a disciple Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all of his disciples, but John was especially dear to him. He was especially dear. God does not love all people the same. If this was the only text in the Bible we had, we have more than this. John was especially dear to Jesus, like Joshua was especially dear to Moses. That's right. Like Timothy was especially dear to Paul. Like the church at Philippi was especially dear to Paul. See, there are some to whom Jesus gives more, like Paul. He gave him more. He said, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He counted yeah, me faithful yes. or trustworthy. That's right. Jesus knew Paul could be trusted with the truth. So he put him into the ministry. Throughout people history, there have been people God is especially was especially endeared to. To name a few of them, Enoch. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob, the prophets, John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, and John in particular. This is not respect of persons because God doesn't have respect Amen. for persons. That's right. This is recognizing unusual tenderness and spiritual aptitude. And some people are like this. God once said to Israel, so to show that God's like this, that God does things like this, which contradicts what a lot of people think about God. God once said to Israel, I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight, mm -hmm. and thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore I will give men for thee, and people for thy life. Yeah. God said that. Amen. That's right. That contradicts some of people's ideas about God. But it opens up a lot of hope. If you excel in your devotion to God and you are a faithful steward, what God gives you, you handle it right, you will be especially dear to God, just as Israel was there, just as John was, just as Joseph was to Moses and so forth. Men might respond, well, he chose them. That's why That's why they were close to him, is because he chose them. Well, that's not what he said. Yeah, that's right. That's too limited of a statement. Yeah. There are some who are especially dear mm -hmm. to the Lord. It's good for us to be able to recognize them. Amen. Woman, he's talking to his mother now. Mm -hmm. Woman, behold thy son. Now, so far as motherly affection is concerned, as far as she's concerned, John's going to take the place of Jesus. Jesus she's been staying with Jesus. Jesus has been, has been caring for his own mother. Yeah. All right, now she's, John's going to care for her. Behold thy son. And John, we don't know whether he's married or not, but John's going to care for her. She'd have a special interest in John that was not afforded yeah. to mothers. Yeah. See, she was she was given this charge by her by Jesus Christ, her son. Yeah. Yes. Not because she saw something special in John, but because Jesus saw something special yeah. in John. Yes. No, now that teaches that teaches us something. People should know when people know things like this, yeah. they should draw some conclusions. Yeah. If somebody's special to God and has received unusual things from God, they should be special to us. Amen. Yes. On a different level, the same is true of the body of Christ. Special honors afforded those who labor in the Word and in the doctrine, who communicate the truth of God. This is found in 1 Timothy 5.17. Let their elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and in the doctrine. There are some people who speak once in a while and there's 
place in the body for that. There's other people that speak all the time. This is what they regularly do. Yeah. Their life is devoted to this. What do you do? You give them a special honor. Yeah. Amen. This is not just from a human point of view, but because more has been given to the person who gives more has been given more. This way we don't despise anybody. No That's one's right. free to despise That's right. Amen. somebody. But again, what a privilege it is that God sets these members in the body. That's right. What would we do without them? That's right. I mean, it, 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 he gives them to see things, and they declare them, and then they belong to us. You're faithful stewards. Yes. Uh, we now, we have a lot of historic Christian writings that are very, very valuable. But what they are, there's Therefore, people that received something yes. special from God, mm-hmm. and they were faithful, and they passed it on. Yes, amen. See, this is what this is what this kind of person does when they receive something; mm-hmm. they pass it on. Yes, they amen. don't keep it to themselves. The church is not like Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai; they all heard what was said. Yeah. Uh-huh. All of the ordinances they heard what was said. Everything that was said on the mount, everybody heard. That's not the way it is in the body of Christ. Yeah. I know everybody has a Bible, yeah. Yeah, but very few people even read it, let alone understand it. Hmm? Yeah. So it's a different economy now in Christ Jesus. Yes. Moses received some private instruction up on the mount. It was about God, but he was. The apostles are the chief among people that speak for God. The apostles are. They were the ones who took the place of Jesus when he left. The Holy Spirit was given to them. And God revealed to them things he did not reveal to anyone else. Then they, of course, passed it on. They were the first. And we still have the apostles in the scriptures. See, they... They embalm their what they was revealed to them in Scripture, and they're that. But they're first. In fact, they said that in First Corinthians, they're called. He said, first apostles. They're first. Amen. You were how few people know what the apostles taught. How few Christians know what the apostles taught. Yeah. Most of the apostolic writings is are by Paul. Some people know what Solomon wrote. They know what Moses wrote. Very few people know what the apostles wrote. Romans through Jude. Jude wasn't an apostle. James wasn't an apostle. But the apostles' doctrines, what they taught, and that's the first thing that's to be understood. And in today's church, it's the last thing that's understood. God takes note of things like that. After them, he says, after them, the first apostles, secondarily prophets. Prophets are not people that foretell the future. They're fourth tell. They take what the apostles said and they open it up. That's what prophets do. 
And then thirdly, our teachers, they take what the apostles said that was opened up by the prophets and then they make it personal. Yeah. Teachers. Now these are the three preeminent, these are the three preeminent offices in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and every other spiritual gift is after that. That's right. Behold thy son. And to John he says, Behold thy mother. We don't want to let the deification of Mary by the Roman Catholics cause us to despise Mary. That's right. Here's what Gabriel, a high-ranking angel, Gabriel, here's what he said to Mary. Hail, thou art highly favored. Yeah, that's what Gabriel the angel said. That's right. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Can I talk about women? Mary's one of the highest ranking women. Yeah. Mary. This is a woman God chose. She was a woman noted for her godliness. No, she wasn't a 13-year-old teenager. Yeah, like this is taught by some. And highly favored. Yeah. Does that not change how we think of her? Yeah. This is a spiritual manner found throughout God's dealings with men. That those that get more, favored more, see? And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Notice how instantly he obeyed? Yes, amen. Uh, he'd been with Jesus all through this, about a day and about a, uh, all night and half of this, half of this day. But this didn't dull his uh, senses. He, from that, from that hour, That's right. she went home with him from the cross. That's right. He took care of her. That's the kind of obedience God requires. Instant obedience. It, this reminds me that the, the first time in the book of John where we hear Jesus speak to Mary this way, woman, is when he performs a miracle at the wedding in Cana. And he tells her at that time, calling her woman, my hour has not yet That's come. That's right. Right. And now he's going to lay down his life. His blood is the blood of the new covenant. He's going to drink the wrath. And it's as if he's, he's signaling to her, I'm going to return to my father now, the one I've been doing the will of the whole time. And, and having accomplished what was needed while he was on earth, he then entrusts his mother to John. Amen. And it's just pointing again, this is why I've come here. I am I'm finishing this work right now. This amen. is my hour. Yes. Amen. Now this, this would transform rest home yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. Although he suffered 
beyond the capacity of any mortal. Jesus keenly aware of the circumstance. I've, everything is supposed to happen has happened. When you know how flighty people are in their thinking, when things are running along pretty smooth, they're still kind of erratic in their thinking. When you think about that, you think of this. He does not lose consciousness. He's not unduly distracted by the experience. The centurion saw him, but he's not looking around at the multitude. Even though this is extended over an entire night and half the current day, he not only knows he must obey God, he knows how he must obey God. He knows when to obey God. I'm persuaded that we could all do better yes. in this regard. Amen. Knowing when we ought to obey God and how we ought to obey God. It says he knew all things were accomplished. Knowing that all things were accomplished. And there were a lot of things. Yeah. There were a lot of things to be accomplished. Judas's defection and betrayal, Jesus' arrest, the suffering for many things, the total rejection by the Jews, the roles of Pilate and Herod, even the crucifixion which was foretold. He shall deliver they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day arise again. The iniquity of us all being laid upon him, becoming sin for us. So he knew well, all right. Everything's been accomplished. Paul knew when he got ready to die, he says, I finished. I finished the course. I'm ready to depart now. See, he knew. That's right. That the scripture might be fulfilled, still, still as a minute prophecy, it hasn't, hasn't been fulfilled yet. Just a sentence. It's just, it's just a sentence. Counts back in the Psalms. Knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He didn't say, I thirst, because he was thirsty. Yeah. He said it so the scripture should be fulfilled. Amen. Yes. John records the statement, they gave me also. Only John records this statement. The, the scriptures in Psalm record it. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That's the reason why they filled a sponge with vinegar, vinegar, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. It wasn't because they were so compassionate. It's because that's what God said was going to happen. Amen. I thirst. John says there was a set of vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on a hyssop and put it to his mouth. Now, the first time they offered him vinegar to drink, which was earlier, he refused to do so. 
They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gold, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. But this time he does. Not because he was thirsty. He was getting ready to dismiss his spirit. What's thirst have to do at this point? But that's his high regard for the scripture. I can see his great mind scanning through the prophets. Here's this over here. David wrote, that's got to be fulfilled. I thirst! This speaks to the purpose of God. That's why David even thought of those words. That's right. Yes, he was. It was being prepared for us to be able to identify. Amen. Amen. Christ is the Word made flesh. That's right. Yes. That's right. And if he would have drank it before, see, there would be some skeptics to say, well, you know, that numbed his senses that he wouldn't be able. No, he, he would not do it. He alone. That's right. For the, for he the wouldn't thing. take anything to dumb That's right. right. There are things to be endured just because the scriptures say so. Yes. As it is written, if ye be reproached for Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your part is be glorified. All right? Before you leave the earth, you'll have an opportunity, if you're in Christ, to fulfill that scripture. (laughs) So, when you're reproached for the name of Christ, you're reproached because of what you do for Christ and what you say for Christ. If that happens, fulfill this scripture. Yes. Happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and God, the spirit of God, glory and of God rests on you. Why did they treat you that way? It's because they saw God in you. They didn't think they were seeing God. They just thought you were off. But it was the glory of God that brought that criticism on. Those who actually do this are fulfilling the scripture. Then he cried out, it is finished. Other versions say, all is done, it's completed, it's accomplished, it's consummated. John records these words. (coughs) It is finished. Doctrinally, this sentence is proclaimed this way. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the same thing stated doctrinally. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. See, that's all things were accomplished. God hath made him to be sin for us, saying the same thing. Once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's, it is finished. Some of the ramifications are spelled out by Peter found in 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that, that, in order that, we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes he were healed. For, I'm going to explain what healed means. For, 
Ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That's what that text is talking about. David once prayed, Lord, heal my soul. The healing he's talking about isn't what can be. That's not what it was. You were healed from going astray. Mm -hmm. That's what Peter said. So it's important to use the scripture like the Holy Spirit uses it. What was necessary to provide a righteous man for justifying sinners had been accomplished. 4,000 years of history passed before it was accomplished. The basis or foundation for forgiveness had been completed. That's what this has been finished. For God to save people, for God to forgive people, it has to be right. That's right. Amen. It has to be righteous for him to do so. Now it is because of what Jesus did. He put into place the new covenant on the day of Pentecost because everything had been finished. When men believe that and act upon it, they will be justified. Amen. Yes. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Matthew says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Mark says he cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Luke says he cried with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost and spirit. What does that mean? He breathed out his spirit and didn't take it back. When you give up the ghost, that's what happens. You breathe out your spirit. God is dead. Mm -hmm. Jesus breathed out his spirit and he didn't take it back. Mm -hmm. He was raised from the dead. Well, that's some of the things that uh, in that text, some of you want to add anything tonight? Yes, Brother David. Speaking of what Jesus said on the cross, he said it is finished. Earlier in his ministry, in John chapter 4, when he was at the well in Samaria, and his disciples went away to get food, and yeah. he, here's what Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me in to finish his work. Finish his work, right? came yes. in. <laughs> and then in John chapter 5, Victor. 
He didn't enter in a victim. He, he had taken away sin, and he went there and proclaimed it to the captives. Yeah, but he, he took it away in his death. He hadn't taken sin away yet. He hadn't done it. Taken I, I, away. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah, a three-hour period God had... He laid it on him, and then right. he took it. In his death, right. that's when the devil was destroyed and right. sin was removed. Amen. But then for it to be applied, he had to come back. That's right. Amen. Anyone else tonight? <laughs>